You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We have our Bibles open to Philippians chapter 4 this evening, and we'll, I hope you don't mind, we'll be looking at uh, a lot of Scripture tonight. I hope no one has a problem with looking at what the Bible says. And uh, so we'll, we'll start in Philippians 4, but get your fingers ready because we'll be turning some pages here and uh, going to diff- different passages of Scripture. Starting in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. We also find earlier in Philippians chapter 2 in verse 5, the Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. If we're saved tonight, if we're Christians, there are some uh, common factors that we'll find amongst the family of God. And here's just a few. Let's go ahead and turn to Galatians. Uh, Go back to Galatians chapter 5, a familiar passage of Scripture, the fruits of the Spirit. We have Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. You don't have to turn there, but in 1 John chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope, of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Tonight, I'd like to cover the topic of character traits of a Christian. If we're saved tonight, we have the Spirit of God inside of us. And because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, we all uh, have the ability to have the fruits of the Spirit if we let God lead us in the way we ought to go. And so tonight, as we look at character traits of a Christian, first of all, I'd like to ask, what do we mean by character? When someone says, he's a character. That's a little bit different of a meaning that we're talking about here. But character meaning, um, I, I remember as a teenage boy being told by my parents and youth pastor, it's good to have character like making your bed and combing your hair and making sure you have your clothes uh, not wrinkled and showing up to church on time and showing up to work on time and, and uh, being a good testimony. All of these things comprise good character. The dictionary gives us the peculiar qualities impressed by nature or habit on a person which distinguish him 
from others. That's what character is. And so what exactly do we mean and, and what are the character traits, the parts of character that are found in a Christian? A Christian is a follower or a disciple of Christ, one who identifies with Christ. And that's exactly why we get baptized. We are identifying, making a public profession of an inward possession. We are saying we are a Christian and we're proud of it. And we identify with Christ in baptism. And uh, praise the Lord for those that got baptized tonight. So tonight we're going to cover some character traits of a Christian. The fact is, as a follower of Christ, we ought to follow Christ, but... In reality, are we following Christ as we should, as is reflected by the passages of Scripture that we just read? And so tonight, with the Lord's help, let's cover some of these character traits tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we get into your word. I pray that uh, your word would be clear and uh, it would be precise. It would be something that would uh, go straight to our heart, that we can apply it. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to listen with our hearts uh, tonight, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, we find the first character trait that we'll discuss tonight. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Many of you probably have memorized this. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Tonight, number one, if you're taking notes, what is a character trait of a Christian? Number one, I believe, according to the Bible, is a student of the scriptures. If we're Christians, if we are truly going to be a follower of Christ, we ought to be a student of the scriptures. And I understand that tonight, we, uh, most of us are out of school now. Uh, I'm talking to the teens and, and maybe children that are still in here. And hopefully as adults, we've, we're, we said adios to school a long time ago. Um, but uh, as a reality, uh, the fact is that uh, even though some of us in here are teachers, we are all still students. As a Christian, we ought to be a student of the Scriptures. Why? Because it's a commandment. God gives us this command. It's not, it's not a suggestion. Oh, you can study if you want to. The Bible just clearly says it's study. God says, study to show thyself approved unto God. We see that's the command to study. Study is the application of the mind with a view to acquiring knowledge, particularly of the scriptures. God promises his help to those who give themselves to his work. Romans 15, 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Not only the command we see study, but we all, also the purpose of the student, which is to be approved unto God. That means that's God's stamp of approval. And it's my desire tonight to, in everything that I do, and I, I know I'm, I'm a sinner just like all of us, I'm not perfect, but yet it is my desire and it should be all of our desire to be approved unto God. That's God putting his stamp of approval on your life. That's God looking at your works and your deeds after you've been saved and said, you know what? He's walking like he ought to walk. He's walking in the Spirit. I see the fruits of the Spirit in him, and I'm, I'm going to put my stamp of approval on that individual. That is being approved unto God. We, that's the purpose of the student. We find the description of the student. That is a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. To study is to put forth work. And uh, as a student, we understand if we're going to pass the class, 
We've got to put forth the work. We've got to study. We've got to know the material so that when test time comes, we can pass with flying colors, right? And so we have the description of the student is a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Not lazy, but working hard, looking at the scripture, dissecting the scripture, understanding the scripture, because it's God's letter, his word to us. The description, I, I, I remember back in college, and, and I, I've talked to the teens about this before, I've already admitted my fault, and I told them not to follow in my footsteps, but uh, I remember in college, and, and I can't remember all the way back in high school, I probably did it then too, because it didn't just start in college, I'm sure, but in college, there were times when I got too busy to where those papers that were supposed to be due like a couple months down the road, all of a sudden just snuck up on me, and here it is. Six-page paper due in history class the next day, 8 o'clock in the morning, and I haven't even gotten a word on the paper yet. And that's called procrastination at its finest right there. And so my other fault I'm admitting to is I took that uh, the Green Monster Energy drink that was uh, readily available to us college students there at the vending machine. I don't know why, but we took that there. I had my energy drink. I was sitting at my laptop, and I was typing away. And you know, when, when you're trying to get a paper done, the night before, there's not a whole lot of research that goes into a paper like that, okay? This is supposed to be a six-page research paper, and uh, as I like to call it, it was just full of a bunch of fluff. It was just fluff. Christopher Columbus was a discoverer, and he liked pizza, and especially, pepper, you know, just fluff, okay? And uh, so I filled up the paper, but I have to admit that when I turned that paper in the very next day, I didn't fail, but yet I wasn't quite proud of the work that I did. In other words, I could say that I was kind of ashamed of the work that I put forth and the work that I turned in because I knew, I knew I could have done better. That's what the Bible means here, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. If you put in the honest work as a Christian, as, as God expects of us, it's not something that we are going to be ashamed of. We can, we, we can uh, rejoice in the fact that when we put forth our all and we do all that we can for Christ, that's when God is happy. That's when God approves of our work. That's the description of the student. Then we have the method of the student. We find there rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, I think that's uh, very clearly taught that, hey, let's take some time and actually understand what the Bible says because the, the danger to not doing our research and studying and understanding the context of Scripture as we take Scripture out of context, right? And so, for example, and this is, this is a crazy example, but Luke chapter 12, verse 19, the Bible says, Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. If we take that verse and we just say, All right, well, actually, the words are in red. Jesus said it. It looks like a command to me. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. If Jesus said it, I'm going to do it. All right, well, there it is. But as a matter of fact, when we go to that passage of Scripture, that's the words of the foolish man as Jesus is giving the parable of the person who was trying to accumulate everything that he had and built, uh, tear down his barns and build bigger barns. And he said, take, uh, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Okay, so that verse would have been taken out of context, but now that we know that it's rightly dividing here, uh, Jesus had a lesson uh, to be learned and so, therefore, when you know the context, you won't make those kind of mistakes. Matthew 22, verse 29, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. 
He was accusing the Sadducees, a religious sect there of the Jewish people, very religious. But yet he said, ye do err, Jesus calling them out because they didn't know the scriptures nor the power of God. Let's make sure that we are students of the scripture. You know what we get in return for being students of the scripture? We get wisdom. The book of Proverbs says it very uh, plainly here. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Not only do we get wisdom by becoming a student of the scriptures, but we also get help, God's help in knowing the scriptures. We have in John 14, 26, we have the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. When we become a student of the scriptures, our disposition is that we have a hunger for the word of God. Proverbs 15, 14, the heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Jeremiah 15, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. We also get joy as a disposition of the student when you're in the scriptures, you're getting the wisdom of God, you're getting help from God for understanding God's word. We also receive that wonderful byproduct of joy. And because of joy, it says in Proverbs 3, 13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Number two tonight, I don't just see that uh, the character trait of a Christian is just a student of the scriptures, but number two, I see that uh, we should have this character trait of servant, a servant of the Savior. If we're properly following the Lord, we ought to have this character trait of being a servant. A servant is one who yields obedience to another. The servant's subjection to a master is uh, voluntary, as in contrast to the slave, uh, which is not. Every slave is a servant, but every servant is not a slave. And so we have here the choice to be put under bondage. A servant, the Apostle Paul said, I am a prisoner. I am a servant of Christ. Meaning he had a choice and he chose to put himself in subjection under Christ. And as a Christian, we all must do that. We all must become servants uh, to God because he is worthy. Let's take our Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Letter A, if you're taking notes under servant of the Savior, a servant must choose his master. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, in verse number 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. A servant must choose his master. You cannot serve God in this lifetime and serve the world or serve yourself. Those two don't mix. You've got to choose your master. You've got to come to the point in your life where I've explained this to the teens before, but, and I believe to, to church as well, but when we get saved, Jesus isn't just our Savior, but he ought to be, when we get saved, he ought to be our Lord. Meaning he's the one in control. He's the one... He's the reason why we're living. 
He is the reason why we can have eternal life. He is the reason why we have a home in heaven. And so therefore, because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, and because he gave his life for me, I in turn am going to give my life to Christ. He is my Lord. He is the one who has authority in my life. It's not up to me. It's not my plans. It's God's plans. And I know that, that the joy and, and that happiness and that uh, the, the blessings of God is going to come if I obey the Lord as my Lord and Savior. And not if I try to do my own thing and try to fix things and try to direct my own path. We understand where that leads. And it's not in the will of God. A servant must choose his master. A servant must choose to have the mind of Christ. We read that or uh, mentioned that earlier in introduction. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. If Jesus was willing to humble himself in the form of a servant, we ought to follow in his footsteps and become a servant of Christ. We must have the same mind of Christ. A servant must also choose to minister. A servant must choose to minister. Matthew chapter 20. I'll read a few verses here if you'd like to turn there. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25. The Bible says, But Jesus called them unto him, his disciples, and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, among my disciples. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. As a servant, we must choose. We must make the decision to be a minister, to, to minister to others, to serve God and to serve others. Are you actively looking for ways that you can help? Are you looking for needs that, that God will allow you to meet in somebody else's life? It's the difference between having a servant's heart and having a serve-me heart. But let's choose to minister I find being a student of the scriptures is a character trait of the Christian. A servant of the Savior is a character trait of a Christian. And then I find a soul winner to sinners is a character trait of the Christian. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I was so excited to tell everybody about it. I told my parents. I rode my bike to my grandparents' house. I told my grandma. And I was telling everybody, I got saved. And... I remember uh, going, going to church there at First Baptist Church in Geneseo, and they had a soul winning program. They called it Timothy Club, and, we, and they would go out soul winning, and I made it a habit just to, uh, as a teenager, man, I'm going to go out soul winning. Man, I want to tell others about Jesus Christ. Somebody was willing to tell me about him, and I want to tell someone else, because I want someone else to know that heaven can be their home too, and that they can have joy in serving Jesus. And so, a soul winner to sinners... We find the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and really, it gives us a very clear outline, which we'll quickly cover tonight. Matthew 28, verse 19, the Bible says, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We find an outline here of, of what are we to do as a Christian in fulfilling this great commission. As a soul winner to sinners, what are we to do? Well, number one, what's the, the first uh, word in that verse is go, right? Go. Green light, go. And we ought to go as a, as, a, as a Christian, as a soul winner, because we can hear, we can plan, we can think about it, we can think about doing it, but it's a whole lot different if we actually put the action forth and go. We could have great intentions, but it doesn't mean anything if we don't go. And so Jesus here, he says, go ye therefore. And then number two, not only go, but we ought to teach. The Bible says here, teach all nations. What is that? That's, that's giving them the good news of the gospel. That's sharing Christ with them. Uh, Colossians 1, 27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. As a soul winner, we must go, and then we must teach. We must teach the gospel to those who have never heard. And then after they accept Christ as their Savior, what's next? Baptism, right? The Bible says that go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Baptism comes after salvation. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Acts chapter 8, the Bible says, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. They believed first, and then they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. And so we have go, teach, baptize. And what happens after baptism? Is that it? Baptism and then that's it, right? Nothing more to do as a Christian. That's wrong. We have the, the, the last part, and that's, this is what we'll do until Jesus comes. The last part here is uh, Matthew 28 and uh, verses 19 there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Here's the last one, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This second teach here, we have go, teach, baptize, teach. This second teach here is disciple. All right, so we, we are to go to win souls to Christ. Once they accept Christ as their Savior, they get baptized. And then after they get baptized, they get to be discipled. They get to grow in the Lord. They get to uh, read the scripture and, and, and learn what God has to say. And that's where we all are at. We're disciples of Christ. We are growing in grace. We are expanding our knowledge and uh, deepening our relationship with the Lord. And that's, as we uh, fulfill that great commission, that's what it's all about. It's not just getting saved, which that's the most important, but it's also getting them plugged in, baptized, and learning more about the scriptures. I'm glad I, I didn't stay a baby Christian, right? When, when we get saved... And there's nothing wrong with being a baby Christian. That's where we all start. When you get born again, you're saved. And as you continue to come to church and as you continue to read the Bible and have your own personal walk with God, what happens? We start learning more about what God wants us to do. 
And the Bible says as sincere milk, uh, as, as babes, we desire that sincere milk of the word that, that they may grow thereby. And so that the word, the, the milk of the word is what allows us to grow as a Christian. And then we grow into the meats of the word, which is also talked about in the New Testament. But let's continue to grow as Christians. And that's what is also included in that great commission, a soul winner to sinners. And then my last point, and we'll be done tonight. Character trait of a Christian, not only a student of the scriptures, not only a servant of the Savior, not only a soul winner to sinners, but lastly, and this is not all-encompassing, there's more, but we'll, we'll stop with this tonight, is a seeker for the second coming. A seeker for the second coming. My kids like to play hide-and-seek. Olivia, not quite yet. She'll, she'll get the hang of it. But Michael and Emma, they love playing hide-and-seek. And uh, especially for some reason, they like doing it right before bedtime. It's like they, 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 they get into their bedrooms and then, you know, the, the magic words are, uh, Daddy, I, I want a drink. And so Daddy has to leave the room to go get their drinks. And in the meantime, they're hiding, you know. And so I get back in the room and I'll, I'll, I'll hear them, you know, because they're not very good at being quiet, although they're good at hiding. And, uh, and they're under their beds giggling and say, all right, come on up and get a drink and we get them to bed. Well, there was one specific night I remember, uh, this, this was not a game of hide and seek, but I, I kind of thought it was at first. We had the, the, the baby monitors and we just, we continued to use them even when Michael's four years old, but hey, it, it helps, right? I mean, we, we know what he's doing. He, he's, he's either awake or he's sleeping and, and we'll be good. Well, I, 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 we had those uh, set up, and I remember looking at that baby monitor and uh, waiting for the kids to fall asleep, and uh, I happened to check on that baby monitor, and, and uh, I, was, I was cycling through the cameras, Michael's asleep, okay? I go to Emma, and Emma's not in her bed. I'm thinking, good night, where, where is she? Some, I mean, Emma's, em, Emma's the crazy sleeper, right? She'll, she, she does a whole lot of weird things before she fa actually falls asleep. And uh, she'll, she'll end up on the floor. She's at the foot of her bed. Who knows? And so I thought maybe, maybe she's like hiding somewhere or maybe she just fell off her bed. Usually we hear a, a thump, but uh, maybe she quietly fell off her bed this time. And so I'm, I'm looking and, and I, I, uh, I'm panning the room trying to figure out, okay, is she on the floor? And she's not. And so I, I said, okay, I, I should probably go in and try to find her. And so I, I went in and she's not in her bed. I'm looking around, the, and it's dark in there, so I'm like patting the floor trying to find my, my child, and I, I could not find her anywhere. I thought, what is she, where is she? I mean, maybe she snuck out, maybe she's in our room. And so I go to our room, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking around our room, and, and she's not in there. I thought, good night. She must have like escaped out the window, and she's long gone by now. I have no idea where she's at. And uh, I'm thinking, thinking, where in the world could she be? And I'm like quietly calling out, Emma, Emma, where are you? Where are you, Emma? There's no response. And usually when we're playing hide and seek, there's some giggles or there's something. There was nothing. It was dead quiet. Michael's just fast asleep in his bed thinking, where is she? And then I thought, you know, the only place I didn't look was under the bed. And so I went back to her room and I looked under the bed. And there she is, snuggling with her stuffed animal, under the bed, under the bed, she was fast asleep, and I, ha I had to pull her out and get her back on bed, I thought, man, this girl is crazy, she must get it from her mother, you know, I, I don't know, but uh, 
We, it's just, that, that, was, that was new to us, okay? That was, that was new to us. But a seeker for the second coming. And you know how I was trying to look for Emma, like really look for Emma, especially because I had no idea where she was at the time. Uh, we ought to have that same tenacity when we're looking for the Savior. Now, I understand that we're not trying to find him, but we are expecting him to come back. And we ought to have that mentality that Jesus Christ is coming back one day. It could be tonight before church is over. It could be tomorrow. We don't know. The return of Christ is imminent. Chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Titus chapter 2. Let's turn there. This is the last scripture we'll turn to for tonight and then we'll be done. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. Titus 2. And verse number 11, the Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Here it is, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, people zealous of good works. We ought to be a seeker for the second coming. We ought to expect that Christ is coming back because Jesus is coming back. And so if Jesus is coming back, we ought to prepare for his coming. It's like this, if the President of the United States or somebody very important uh, on this world scale were to say, okay, on such and such a date, we are going to come over and we are going to have dinner at your house. The guys would probably be like, all right, come on over. And the ladies would probably like, give me time to clean and prepare. Okay, they're going to see my house. It needs to be spick and span, right? And so... If someone like that were to come over to our house, we would want to make sure that everything was just perfect, right? And that's exactly the mindset that we should have. Jesus is coming back, and so what do our lives look like right now? Are we as close to God as we should be? Is our life as cleaned up as it should be? Are we right with God? Are our relationships with our family the way it should be? And so how are we preparing for the Lord's return? Romans 13, 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So how do we prepare for the second coming? Timothy, or I'm sorry, Titus gives us a very clear outline in the verses that we just read, chapter 2, and verses 11 through 14. I see here that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. First of all, uh, just very quickly tonight, we should be saved, and that's very obvious, but if we're going to prepare for Jesus coming back, we've got to know the Savior, as Miss Kelly sang about. Do you know the Savior? Be saved. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Be sober. What does sober mean? It means be serious. Now, we as Christians can have fun, but when it comes to spiritual things and and uh, knowing that Jesus is coming back, we ought to be serious about that. We ought to get to work. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We should be righteous or be spotless. 
The Bible says in James 1.27, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I understand that we're not perfect. None of us are. But striving to be perfect in God's eyes is where we should be. We, we may not obtain that or attain that in this lifetime. One day we will be perfect when we see Christ and we, we shall be changed and be like him. But until then, our, our mark of perfection should be being like Christ. And so we ought to strive to be spotless from the world. And then living godly, that is to be spiritual Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Very simply put, put God first, and everything else will be okay. If we seek for the Savior, if we seek for his coming back, if we're ready, if we're preparing for that, we ought to be spiritual in the meantime. We ought to be spiritual. This summer, summer activities, Everything going on, vacations, let's just put God first. Let's let him direct our path, and God will take care of everything else. I close tonight with that question. Are these character traits evident in my life? Are these character traits of being a student of the Scriptures, a servant of the Savior, a soul winner to sinners, and a seeker of the second coming, are those evident in our lives tonight? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.